innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough. I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. The name of this show is Dirty White Belt Radio. The name Dirty White Belt comes from an old story about how early martial artists became black belts. It's not a true story, but it's great nonetheless. The story goes that people just kept training, and their formerly white belts just got darker and darker until they turned black. This didn't actually happen, but it's a really cool metaphor. White belt is a time of rapid learning and progression, and if you keep the white belt attitude of openness, humility, and constant progress, that attitude will do a lot for you as your belt gets darker. I got a call from my instructor about six months ago, asking if I could come out to the holiday party on December 15th. It turned out he'd made the same call to a couple of other brown belts at our school. He didn't talk about the possibility of a promotion, he's pretty old school about that, but he did tell me to be ready. For what? I asked. Anything, he said. While I was preparing for what I guessed would be a black belt test, my favorite blue belt, Betsy O'Donovan, figured out that we had an opportunity to document what might be a big transition for me and for some of my training partners. Three brown belts from Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, my home academy in Durham, North Carolina, wound up testing for black belt in December. In addition to me, there was Hamid Sanders, who I've been training with since day one, and Kevin Bacon. No, not that Kevin Bacon. Betsy interviewed me along with Hamid and Kevin both before and after the black belt test. You'll get to hear how it went, both before and after the experience, on this episode. U.S. Grappling hosts the best-run tournaments I've ever attended, and I've done them all. By grapplers, for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently runs fun, friendly tournaments with great competitions at all belt levels. Plus, if you register early at usgrappling.com, you get a substantial discount on a tournament that already provides a ton of value for your money. Why wouldn't you do that? Go have a tremendous community experience and get in some terrific competition roles. Register online at usgrappling.com. When I say that none of us had any idea what the test would entail before the test started, here's what I mean. Slight nerves are, are going to be there because we don't know what we're going to face today whatsoever. So we've prepared for everything that we know that we can and let Faye do the rest. That's Kevin Bacon, and he's not exaggerating. When we asked our instructor, Hoist Gracie Black Belt Seth Champ, what to prepare for, he sent us a list that just said grappling, striking, takedowns, throws, standing self-defense, philosophy, and everything in the Gracie Master text. Here's Hamid on what he guessed we'd be up against. I don't know what's going to happen, really. Um, other than self-defense demonstration, um, we might have to do some sparring. These are, at this point, I cannot be more prepared than I am at this point. There's no way I, ca I can't do, if we were to go through the techniques again today, it's not going to make me any more prepared. Um, so at this point, I'm just like, oh, it's wait and see. Of the three of us, Hamid is the toughest guy, and definitely has the best comeback story. If you listen to this podcast, you know a fair bit about my backstory, so let me get out of the way so you can hear how Hamid got started training at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. Um, when Seth 
started working or running triangle jiu-jitsu out of the old, old cage side, um, mat space, because I'd kind of been doing uh, their lunch rolling sessions um, prior to, and then they one day I come in, and I didn't know Seth at the time, but I knew who Jake Whitfield was um, by reputation. Um, whatever that's worse <laughs> worse worse you know um we had kind of a joke in the gym at that time that i would ask the young people how old they were <laughs> and they would tell me and then i would give my age so it'd be insert 19 20 21 22 and here i was 37 40 whatever and and i'm like i'm old enough to be your dad and they would look at me like and i was like yeah not so bad not bad for insert age and so it was a joke for a while at triangle jiu-jitsu for pretty good while then i got really old and it stopped being (laughs) why did it stop being funny one day hamid who had been a personal trainer for a long time didn't drink smoke or do any drugs and was doing handstand push-ups the day before had a heart attack during a light roll with a white belt as heart attack stories go it's a funny one hamid thought he was having heartburn so he tapped the guy and finished the roll then went to the hospital to find out one of his arteries had sheared apart in a freak life-threatening incident this came up when Betsy asked him the classic question, what does the black belt mean to you? It's every belt matters in jiu-jitsu because there are only the five, right? But this is the one everybody's been aiming at. And you had like a long road. You had a heart attack You like and kept training. What, what do you think is going to change with your black belt, if anything? Well, you know, most of us that have stuck in it past a certain level like you get past like i don't want to put belts on it but like I, there's a time because everything takes time you can't div- you can't get your reps in if we're going by the ten thousand rep rule you can't get those reps in generally speaking unless we have anomalies we see three-year black belts all the time or not all the time but we know of them you know bj Penn or kyotero or something um but those of us that have put all this time in like this is a it's kind of a big deal you know as i was talking with my wife this morning um You know, this is kind of like if I'm getting a PhD. Mm -hmm. I I competed in California. I've competed in New York. Um, We count in seminars and and the the cost for traveling. It's probably not, you know, a a D1 school kind of investment. Um, But there is a significant amount of time. As you said, I've had I'm not the only one um, that's had significant injuries Mm -hmm. um, and had to work through and endure. But that's kind of what jujitsu is, is like. You know, side control sucks with someone who's 100 pounds bigger than you or 50 pounds or whatever. You don't give up. Um, so I had a heart attack. Um, and that was a big deal. I felt really good after the, <laughs> the surgery and I was ready to go again. But it was, just, it was like it took a little bit and it took a little bit psychologically speaking because, you know, if I got in positions and felt some discomfort and I had to work through those, like this is my own personal thing. But everybody has had a bad neck or a bad shoulder or bad wrist or knee or whatever, and you're like, you get in a bad spot in jiu-jitsu, and you're like, all right, I need to work around these things. Um, and a lot of people have quit over these things, or in their mind, whatever people's hurdles they get into, they, they have these things and they quit. Like, it's hard, but life is hard. And jiu-jitsu, for myself, has taught me to endure through those difficult times and push through. So getting a black belt, although I assume I'm gonna be a black belt till I die, which is a very long time. I hear they don't take them back. Very often. Um, no, um, somebody after if 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 I am fortunate enough to receive a black belt with these fine gentlemen today, um, as Charlton Heston said, from my cold dead hands. <laughs> um, 
And I'm not a, we won't have to get into politics on that, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very strong words and, and said. So th what's going forward is like um, my jiu-jitsu journey going forward is be, it will be not just as like picking up kind of that mentorship role, but as an instructor or taking more of a role as an instructor, but also as like refining um, and also maybe even a little bit more diversity because as I'm working with other individuals as, as opposed to myself, I have to work with, you look at all three of us, we're not the same. Mm -hmm. We have someone who's a lot, a lot younger but has a specific body type. Jeff and I are similar age. Can, you can't get more contrasting, you know? Yeah. So when you have to work with other individuals, if you want to be a good instructor, that's a huge thing. Kevin is the youngest of us, but he has a jiu-jitsu origin story that a lot of us can identify with. And, you know, I was 19 and in really good shape, probably, you know, shredded and all that good stuff. So I tried my best and got taken down and looked like an idiot. <laughs> and I love, this is my favorite first day of jiu-jitsu story, and I feel like almost every dude I know has it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that being humbled, especially when you're feeling yourself, is definitely uh, the reason that you come back because you're like, this stuff must work. If you train, you might have had that experience yourself. And if you train hard, you definitely know the experience of being humbled during a training session. This wasn't any old session we were facing, though. We had to prepare for a complete test about complete jujitsu, flying blind about what would happen once we entered the room. Betsy asked us all how we prepared for a situation like that. Here's what I said while we were waiting for the test to begin. So I spent the last 10 weeks or so reviewing everything in the master text, drilling the self-defense a lot, training a lot of grappling, training some striking and takedowns. And just trying to be ready for anything that could possibly get thrown at me. I'm, I'm ready for everything from, hey, congratulations, the, good job, buddy, to, okay, you're about to go through two hours of the worst thing you ever had in your life. And uh, I think anything in between. So. <laughs> we figured it would be grueling, and we were correct. My time estimate was way off, though. Ultimately, the test took about three and a half hours. About two hours of that was physical, and every minute of it was mental. It was difficult. It pushed me and I loved every minute of it. I'm talking about the test here, but I could also say the same thing about my jiu-jitsu journey generally. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, though. Let's hear from Hamid and Kevin about how they went about the days leading up to the test. I took it with this, with the seriousness of anyone else who was getting an advanced degree in anything else. Um, and, and that's kind of the respect I owed myself and the art that we've been training all these years, um, the people that come before us, because not just the competitors Jeff has mentioned in, um, in, when he, he said something, but there are people, and we don't have to go down the list of the names of, of the, the people who have represented jiu-jitsu, but it was on, on a day-to-day -day basis. You had to be ready. And so I think I have done my best to be at that point right now, whether it was you know, physical fitness to supplement my jiu-jitsu practice, um, to make myself the, the best I could be at this point. In advance of the test, Seth had asked each of us to write something up about what jiu-jitsu meant to us. This conjured up a lot of feelings, and if you want to see what I wrote, that's on the blog at bellinghambjj.com. One of the last questions Betsy asked us was what type of emotions we were feeling while we were waiting for the test to begin. It wound up being one of the last exchanges we had before it started. When these guys came in, uh, it was that sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that popped up again. So there was a lot of joy surrounding me just to see everybody and know that we're all going through this journey together. Well, y'all, thank you for taking some time in your preparations for this to talk about it, because I think this is a really important part of the journey that we don't 
hear enough about at this particular cusp of becoming. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to you all on the other side, but thank you. That's where we left it, just before we walked into the unknown. Here's the thing, I'm not supposed to get too much into the specifics about what happened during the test itself. The idea is to preserve the elements of surprise, and there were several surprises, for folks who go through the process in the future. I wouldn't want to rob anyone of that experience. I can say this though, it was intense, it was long and had lots of components, there were knowledge tests and practical skill tests on grappling, striking, takedowns, throws, self-defense, with and without weapons, entering the clinch, and lots more. There were also teaching components, philosophy components, and a few surprises within all of those components. I'd get more into specifics, but maybe it's better if you hear Betsy talk to Hamid a little bit after the test finished up. So it is three hours later. How many liters of liquids have you consumed in the last half hour? Two, maybe. Yeah. So how are you feeling? I'm fatigued. Um, as I've already said, I'm, my lungs are burning still. Um, I, think, I don't think I'm alone with that. Um, <laughs> So yeah. What can you tell us about what went on inside the black belt black box? Um, there were a couple of things I didn't expect. Some of the stuff is like, all right, it's stuff that we did with maybe a little bit more seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally speaking, in the past, they try to keep these things like, you know, the element of surprise involved. So I don't know how much I'm allowed to say or should say. After the demonstration part and discussion of like concepts and theory and philosophy, where it's like you're in a class, um, we spent, uh, my concept of time might be a little off. Mm-hmm. It felt like over 30 minutes of fighting. All right. Whether it was um, rolling, you know, the, the traditional sport sparring of jiu-jitsu or um, almost a full-on fight. Um, but that, I think that was a nice, um, curveball. Yeah. At the end of all of this stuff, you know, where you might have almost gotten into simulated fighting um, for, you know, 30 minutes. And it's no breaks. Go, 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 go. Hamid's right. It is difficult to tell exactly how long parts of the test took. There isn't a clock or a timer anywhere. You go until you're told to stop. Sometimes what you'll think is a break is actually a part of the test. Other times you'll think it's the end. You'll be wrong. The only anchor we had, we knew what time we started, and we knew what time we finished. And as everybody who trains knows, sometimes your body says you're done before your instructor says you're done, so your mind has to compensate. My lungs are still burning, and we're how many minutes past stopping? What time do we stop at 2.30? You guys went for three solid hours, so you actually went until 4. Yeah. Like you guys were right up. I think it was like three hours and 40 minutes. Um, and I was actually until the very last probably 10 minutes felt still pretty good. I don't think I, st- I still don't think I could have been any more prepared than what I was. There will always be something you can get better at. I mean, that's why we're here. Other- there's no such thing as perfection. It's the ideal of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, onward and upward. Yeah. I didn't take a lot of damage. That's good. Um, until the very end, um, I was still good. And then, you know, like I, I, I had to be completely honest with myself. Like I hit a wall at the very end. Like it was like boom, and it was sudden. Um, I don't think that's unheard of. I don't think that's unusual. I think that's like kind of the normal thing when you do a, a, a very challenging physical and mental um, test, which all of those are because there's 
that wall is not just a physical wall. Once you hit that physical wall, then are you going to break mentally? And that's what we've been doing in jiu-jitsu for over a decade at this point. Triangle Jiu-Jitsu has a holiday party tradition. Every winter, there's an open mat followed by a potluck. The test was scheduled to happen before both of those things. Oh, and belt promotions? Those things happen at the end of the open mat. So after you finish your test, you have to wait to find out how you did. In my case, I did what always keeps my mind occupied in a productive way. I went to the open mat. Betsy grabbed me after I'd rolled a few rounds. We're in this interesting, like, interstitial moment between when you have done the very hard thing of testing for your black belt, but before you know the outcome. So I guess my question is, how's that feel? It feels good. I don't, I expect it to feel a little bit of looming, you know, anxiety or dread, but I don't really feel that. But it's helped that we have this, uh, so the way it works is we had the test, we had about a half hour break, and then we have open mass. So I've had some roles with some old friends, seen a bunch of great folks, and nothing will make the worries leave your head like hard rounds. So I've had some hard <laughs> rounds and it's awesome. I was worried that I'd be just spent after the test, but got my second wind, got some rounds in, got to see some people, got to share some technique with people. And yeah, I'm having fun and just really excited for what comes next. All right, so here's the next thing. What can you tell us about the test? Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything. What, what, what I can tell you is it was difficult. It involved all the aspects of jujitsu, uh, standing self-defense, striking, grappling, philosophy, takedowns, throws. Uh, it also involved teaching ability. I really feel like it was a complete test. I feel like it was very difficult. I thought it was challenging. But uh, but also, you know, the, I want the expectation to be high. I want the expectation to be high. Because I never want there to be any doubt. And so, yeah, I, we were all really tired after the test. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to be really tired again as soon as the adrenaline from these rounds wears off. Yeah. The gap between completing the test and waiting for the results can create interesting thoughts. Betsy decided to ask Hamid a question that, well, there's a reason she's a legitimate professional journalist. She asks the tough ones. All right, I'm going to ask you a horrible question I didn't want to ask you before your test. The way this works for everybody who is not a part of the TJJ family is um, typically folks will do their belt testing at every level. There will be an assessment, and then once you've done it, you really have no idea if or when the belt is coming. Mm -hmm. And while I think everybody involved today, because we flew across the country, and Seth has signaled to everybody pretty carefully that today, this weekend, was significant. Yes. But to be real, you know, you're still, there's, I'm sitting here looking at Hamid in his clean E, which he mm -hmm. changed into, and his brown belt, and how, having done the test, Will anything about your feelings change if you don't get a black belt today? Will you be a different, will you be less of a martial artist? What, what do you think about the, the belt now that you've done the test? If, if I don't, um, I'm still human. I'll be down. I'll be disappointed. I can't be disappointed in it or down about anything except with myself because there, um, there's always things that we could do better. And if I don't, then there's something I could do better. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still me. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'll go home at the end of the day and I gotta make sure the kids are fed and we got um, to get them to school in the morning. It's the last week before Christmas. Um, and I have to teach Monday night class here. Yeah. And whether, you know, the belt will not affect. All right, I'm like, as I said, I'm still human. Like. Clearly, I would. I'm. I'm. I will be overjoyed, and I might sleep in the belt 
you know. <laughs> um, I saw something last night. Uh, um, this guy posted in this over 40 BJJ thing. He was a doctor, medical doctor. He, I just got promoted to blue belt, and I'm not taking it off since. And he's in, he's signing papers with his jacket, his coat on, lab coat, with the blue belt tied <laughs> underneath. He's like, I'm not taking this off. So if that's how blue belt feels, I can, and, and I can attest to the, how I felt getting a blue belt. Um, yeah, I will be thoroughly overjoyed, and I will be, I will be, you know, a little bit disheartened, maybe a lot, and I'll be sad, and then I'll have to suck it up and endure. The thought had crossed all of our minds. When you're approaching a milestone, you start to think more and more about what it signifies. If you get your black belt, what does it mean? What do you do with it? You know, you guys have both made reference to PhDs. Well, when you are getting ready for your PhD, you do your comps, which yeah. is like demonstrating that you understand the breadth of knowledge in your field. And then you do a dissertation, which is a, a demonstration of how you do scholarship, like how what you contribute specifically to the field. Do you feel like the, the analogy holds up? Absolutely, I feel like it does. And, you know, it doesn't have to hold up for everybody, but it definitely holds up for me, and I think for Kevin and Hamid as well, not just in terms of the length, but also, yeah, comprehensive exams, defending your dissertation. Um, and also, I've always thought that people that are serious about jiu-jitsu should make contributions to the field. Now, you could do that with jiu-jitsu history research, like Tufi Kairos or Robert Drysdale do. You could do that with um, contributing technique, like a lot of black belts do, like developing and innovating techniques, refining techniques. You could do it from being by being an ambassador for the art, right? Like refining what is jiu-jitsu, why is it important, what philosophies in jiu-jitsu apply to life. And I hope that all of the above are going to be true for me eventually because I'm interested in all those things. Yeah. So you, now that you've been through the test, is there anything you would have done differently to prepare for it? No. You know, uh, simple answer. And my answers aren't usually simple and declarative, but, you know, it can be a little nerve-wracking when you're preparing for a test that you don't know what's on it, and you're just told, know everything in all of these things. So I just tried to be as good a jiu-jitsu representative as I could, and know as much as I could about all the five, the five areas of jiu-jitsu, and um, I feel like I prepared the best I could, and I feel, felt like I executed as well as I was capable of today. And so, it's out of my hands. So, now we wait. And we did wait. What else could we do? Kevin had some valuable perspective. We all, after this day, if we are lucky enough to um, to earn our black belts today, will be representatives of Triangle Jiu-Jitsu and of Set, and that is something I definitely take pride in. At the end of the open mat, it was time for the results. Without keeping you in suspense, I'm going to let Betsy and Hamid tell you how it went down. Hamid, tell me about what happened since the last time you and I spoke. Um, so, my three compatriots, my brothers in arms, we got our black belts tonight. We were promoted. The black belt by our instructor, um, Seth Champ. I'm going to insert some crowd goes wild noises here, I think. You should have had a drum roll before. Oh, man. So then he comes through and, and, you know, a lot of our friends are getting promoted and getting belts and everything. And it's really cool. And then at the end. And so just so we're clear, none of us knew for certain. Like, there are a lot of, you can look at it and say, well, that was very positive. But there's a lot of... A lot of uncertainty going on. So, you know, Seth, there's a point when he says, I've never promoted anyone to black belt before. This is the first time. And I've never promoted anyone from white belt all the way up. Well, it's like we both are like, man, we might tear up here. Seth called me first, then Hamid, then Kevin up. 
He tied the belts around our waists and let us say a few words. This is where I'm grateful for video and digital audio because it's all a blur from that point on. I remember being called up. I remember speaking. I remember people's faces and the feelings I had. Mostly, I remember this bit of Betsy's interview with Hamid after he got the belt. He told us a story from after his heart attack, when he was talking to our friend and training partner, Adam Mathias, who does cancer research. Just listen, up until the end. I mean, I've had other careers and other goals, but martial arts, I am a martial artist. So I decided 20 plus years ago that I was going to be somewhat, this was going to be my higher education and focal point as what I did. I determined after my heart attack that, you know, talking with the doctors and I looked at them and Matthias was there. He said something to the doctor, you know, he's a brilliant person, um, works cancer research, was a great training partner, had me so much wrestling. Like I'm not, I didn't grow up wrestling. I didn't have this wrestling in college. He would come and train with me when he'd get off work at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock when I was at, when I worked at a gym here in town and we would drill. And he said something to the doctor and I looked at them and I was like, well, I guess I'll probably die on the mat. <laughs> if, if this is gonna get me, it's gonna get me. Because, I mean, we're looking at numbers, statistically speaking, like most people don't have that same heart attack again. Mm-hmm. I was a healthy person before. This wasn't from like excesses in life. Well, all right, if it was excess, it was overtraining. Mm-hmm. Um, not the traditional, you know, bad diet, bad, all these things, lifestyle um, causes that are usually attributed to heart attacks. But I thought, it's like at that point, I'm like, I'm a martial artist. I've been a, a significant amount of investment in time and money um, that I was probably, if I'm going to, if it's going to kill me, it's just going to kill me, mm-hmm. you know? If you want a portrait of a guy dedicated to jujitsu, that's kind of it, isn't it? The guy who was on the journey until the end. Speaking of the journey. We use the jujitsu journey analogy all the time, right? Like, you know, it's a path and everyone's different. I'm curious if you're going to describe this in terms of a path, a hiking trail that you guys have been on. Like, what's a black belt? Are you at the summit or are you just a new horizon? What is it? If it is a hiking trail, it's not one with one summit. It's with, you know, gradiated summits. Because this is a, a big day. It's a really big moment for me. It's a really big moment for Hamid because the black belt means a lot, right? It's a, it's, it, it, um, you know, we talked earlier about what it means to me and it's, I feel like it's a real responsibility, but not only this, isn't this, not only is this not the end, you know, it's not the pinnacle. It's starts almost a new journey, you know, for me and that where I I can begin again and I, I can, you know, shore up all the holes in the game that I have, build a new game. I can focus on all the stuff that I want to focus on that represent jujitsu, uh, teaching, training, um, you know, just trying to be a good person and represent jujitsu in a good way to the world. It's funny, you know, we've been here since it's about seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. We've been here seven eighteen. Seven eighteen. We, we've been here since twelve thirty. Fatigue is just now hitting me. Um, because I'm just, is a hell of a trip. it really is. And I've just been, I've been really, you know, I've been really focused and we probably like in total, you know, the test in total was probably about three and a half hours, not all in a row, mm-hmm. but, but you know, um, so I felt good coming out of it and I felt like I'd done my best, which is really all you can ask of yourself and to, to get, to achieve the goal 
I mean, it's really gratifying. It's really rewarding. And I'm not sure it's hit me yet. I don't, I don't think it's probably going to hit me yeah. for a while. You know, I'll still, I, you know, even when I was looking down at the belt, every so often I look down and be like, whose is that? How to get around my waist? <laughs> but it's great. It's an incredible feeling. It's an incredible feeling. And uh, I'm really proud to be here. So most people who are listening to this are not black belts. So I'm curious a little bit about what, what scared you at white belt and what kept you going? And is it the same thing at brown belt, now black belt, that scared you and kept you going? Or are there, and I, those are two separate things, right? Like what scared you and what kept you going? Yeah, I don't know that I would use the word scared to describe any part of my jiu-jitsu journey. I mean, there are certainly things that like caused acute fear. Like, oh, that dude's gonna try to take my head off. Or, oh, that tournament is, is a big deal. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm worried about learning these things that I need to learn. But none of those were like, I wouldn't describe that as being scared necessarily, unless it's like the positive motivated scare. Like, hey, I'm a, I want to represent well, and I'm, I'm afraid that if I do not know the things I'm supposed to know, I'm probably not going to represent well. Um, and I don't know for me that that has changed. You know, I, I have different goals in that, like, I was competing a lot more at Blue and Purple Belt. I do, I'm, one reason I'm very excited to have the Black Belt now is I'm very excited to compete at Masters Worlds at, a black, at black Belt. I want to compete against legends. I mean, just being on the mat with those folks is, is an honor. And so just the, to, to have earned the right to be on the mat with those folks is pretty incredible. But, like, I wouldn't say, like, I guess the thing, I, I guess I would say the only thing that scares me now that didn't scare me when I was younger, when I started as injury, like, I wasn't, I wasn't, and I think it's because I'm smarter now, like, I, 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 when you get older, you have to take care of your body better, just because you don't recover as fast, and if you don't recover as fast, you're not on the mats, and the mats is where I want to be, so, when I was young, I was like, oh, you know, I pop my rib, get back on the mat in a week, two weeks, I think that's the main voice, yeah, maybe, (laughs) I don't know, but, like, you know, I rushed back, right? Because I wasn't afraid of the consequences on my body. And I guess I'm more afraid of that now. The most important part of Betsy's question, though, is the one I didn't answer right away. What kept you going and what keeps you going is the other thing. I mean, I just love it. For me, it's a, so there's pro, in everything that you do, there is process and there is outcome. And if you love outcome, you will be disappointed in anything you do. If you only love journalism because you get to publish stories, you will often be disappointed because sometimes your stories will end up being edited in a way you don't like or cut. If you are only in football to win, you're going to be disappointed a lot unless your team goes undefeated, right? Right, and and you know, 50% of the people that go to the jiu-jitsu worlds will lose their first match. That's just math, right? If all you're in it for is the, the result, you're always going to be disappointed. I love the process. I love the process of getting married. I love sharing knowledge with Hamid. I love sharing videos that, you know, we send each other technique videos back and forth. We, hey, what do you think about this? Um, I love getting on the mat. I love learning new things. And, and you know, and that, that leads you to good outcomes. So if you fall in love with the process, the outcomes will follow. And, and that's what keeps me going. It's just I love the day-to-day. So I'm not sure if anyone actually listens to this podcast for advice of that nature. But if you do, that's my advice to you. Love the day-to-day. Love the process. Love every minute of it. Because you never know when you'll have a heart attack, or they'll find a tumor, or you'll get hit by a bus. Do the things you love while you can, and do them gratefully, even when your lungs are burning and somebody 50 pounds heavier than you is trying to choke your face. The day I got my black belt is one of my favorite days ever, and not just because of the belt. It's because of who I got to share the day with, from the instructor I've been with since day one, to my earliest training partners, to my favorite blue belt who I happen to be married to. 
At the end of the day, though, it's not about the day. It's not even about the belt. It's about the process. It's about getting the chance to share what you love with the world. The word honor gets thrown around a lot, but it's an honor to do that. And if you're still listening to this, you let me share my story with you, and I'm grateful for that as well. My thanks to Betsy O'Donovan for doing all the interviews for this, to Hamid and Kevin for going through this with me, to my instructor Seth Champ and all my training partners at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, and to all of our students at Bellingham BJJ. Y'all make the day-to-day what it is, and the day-to-day is glorious. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. This episode is dedicated to Scott Hartwich, who was my friend for 25 years and a white belt at Bellingham BJJ when he passed away unexpectedly last month. Scott was a terrific human being. Everybody at the academy and everybody in the Bellingham community loved him. If you want to learn more about Scott, there's a post at BellinghamBJJ.com called The Great Scott. We'll miss him a lot. Thanks for listening. Now that you've listened to an entire show about me and my friends getting black belts, did you know that black belts compete for free at U.S. grappling tournaments? The next event is April 4th, 2020 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I can't wait to compete at this level, and I'm thinking about flying back for either the April 25th event in Richmond, Virginia, or Hitchmond as we call it, or the May 2nd event in Greensboro, North Carolina. Whether you're a black belt or not, you should register online at usgrappling.com for the best tournament experience around by grapplers for grapplers. <laughs>